When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Shruti Outload Podcast, your go-to destination for inspiring stories, insightful discussions, and practical wisdom on embracing the ever-changing journey of life. I am your host, Shruti, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this transformative path towards self-discovery and growth. Hi, and welcome back to Shruti Outlaw Podcast. So as you know that herein we bring in uh, the topics that are related to way of life. Now, when we talk about life, obviously, you know, there is the personal life, but there is also the professional life. So we try to find that right balance by bringing in topics or bringing in guests who can uh, help you find the right balance between the two. So um, today, again, we are going to dive deep into the realms of personal and professional growth. And I'm your host, Shruti. And today we have a very special guest and the topic that we are going to talk about is something that I am very excited about. So uh, our today's guest is Nasir Sheikh, an accomplished leadership coach with a professional certified coach accreditation from the International Coach Federation and an expert mediator. Uh, so let's bring him on board and let's, let's take this conversation ahead. Hi, Nasir. Thank you so much, Shruti, and uh, we're really excited to be part of the conversation today and uh, the episode. So thank you very much uh, for having me on board. Absolutely, Nasir. So, Nasir, conflict is often viewed negatively, but your expertise in coaching and mediation has shed light on how conflicts can actually be harnessed as opportunities for growth and innovation. So let's dive deep into this absolutely fascinating topic. So my first question for you would be, could you begin uh, by sharing a bit about your background and journey as a leadership coach and mediator? And what led you to focus on cultivating a culture of con constructive conflict? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, one of the things is the career that I have kind of been in over the last uh, two decades plus involved engaging with conflict quite a bit right so that kind of set a base so when i uh, so I, I i'm an aircraft maintenance engineer who then uh, pursued a career in hospitality and i was there for two decades plus in hospitality and then moved into the corporate world and education as ceo uh, but during this period you know one of the things that i kind of observed is that most amount of uh 
conflict in how the world views it in the negative connotation happens because of the lack of communication, right? And how conflict has always been construed as a negative word, as a bad word, where people see conflict negatively. Uh, I, over a period of time when I was working, realized that most of my best relationships or friends are those where we did not really actually start off on the right foot, where it started with a problem or a complaint or something that we did not agree upon. But by kind of engaging in the right form of conversation, we were able to uh, build on it and use that problem effectively. And I, I you know, during the uh, during the course of the conversation, I'll share some examples uh, around that. Uh, so as uh, I was looking at evolving, growing and adding uh, more and more value to myself, I uh, got into learning coaching more formally and also learned to be a mediator through the uh, uh, to the master's program that the Maharashtra National Law University was doing. And we were the uh, first batch that was there and we co uh, call ourselves the fabulous first. So I kind of said, let me kind of find my niche as a leadership coach, as a life coach in conflict coaching, because if you are able to address conflict, uh, the world will be a better place to be in. Because today it starts from children to the in-laws to, you know, uh, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, father-in-law, son-in-law, wife and husband and the corporate world. You know, conflict is so much in our life. Uh, we just need to look at it positively. And if you are able to do that, and that's how the journey began. And that's what's been my focus over the last uh, three to four years, in addition to my day job. So talking about the corporate uh, world, Nasir, uh, how can leaders and organizations shift their perspective to view conflicts as potential source of growth and innovation? Because um, as leaders, obviously, you know, you come across these situations quite often and it is frustrating. And if you don't know how to handle it, it can escalate. So could you help us in that regard by answering this question? See, one of the first thing that any leader needs to do is have an open mindset and have a growth mindset. Now, many a times there is a, a leader takes people around him as a threat, you know, and I think that's where the whole uh, core is as a problem. Now, if leaders are able to change their mindset and where they see their peers, they see the people reporting into them, they see their team as the asset out there, you will see a complete change in mindset. I'm not saying that this is applicable to all. I'm not in any way making a generalization, but this is one of the things that I've observed where the challenge comes in. The other aspect uh, is something that I call drift, and I'm actually writing a book completely around that uh, and that should be out soon, which talks about uh, the inconsistencies that kind of sit in the team because of the unsurety that of destination and goal. Again, leading to miscommunication, leading to conflict out there. Uh, so the key as a leader is first, you know, listening to listen and not to answer. And also encouraging a culture within the organization where you're telling people to voice out their thoughts, uh, you know, in terms of what works, what doesn't work. Because I think the goal of everybody in the team, including the leader, is the success of the organization. 
Uh, and ego is something that, you know, is the uh, is another big challenge that kind of comes in. Uh, you know, uh, when I was younger, one of my leaders had mentioned to me that the actual full form of ego is it edges growth out. So, you know, if you are able to kind of contain that, you contain your ego. And luckily for me, being in the hospitality world, that is one thing we were taught very early, that don't let your ego come in between. So, keep that aside. But ego is another one that is a big player that comes in and which causes most amount of conflict, which go the wrong way. Uh, but if we have a culture where you're heard, and there are a lot of companies that do this really, really well, uh, you will have a scenario where conflict can move from what it is today to something that becomes a growth accelerator, something that becomes a positive word, something that you actually look forward to. You know, like we say, you know, we agree to disagree, but, you know, why don't we agree to make things happen? Uh, so, you know, if you're able to build that together, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, lot of wins that we'll see not only in the corporate world, but we'll also see, uh, you know, in, in terms of world peace, in terms of world growth, we'll see a lot of harnessing that is there. You know, a good example is uh, in terms of what Donald Trump did. I think out there he played a fantastic role of a conflict coach and a mediator to end the Qatar blockade, you know, which was done by the other Middle Eastern countries. He sat down, he got them all onto a table, uh, bought perspective. And today it's in a harmonious region when it comes to that specific issue, at least. So true, Nasir. So uh, talking about ego, I would like to touch that part a little because, you know, uh, so because, you know, obviously there are so many coaches and uh, the, the mentors out there and everybody's take on ego is very different. Like, you know, some people, they tell you that, no, 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 you should have ego and this, that it's very um, um, sort of, you know, it helps you to grow. And otherwise, you know, you are not. So there are a lot of varied um views and i also think that there are a lot of phrases that when it comes to ego like uh, the way uh, you just mentioned that you know um, let's agree to disagree right. so i think these are also some of the examples wherein people just use them to satisfy their ego because you know obviously when you say this you're not really resolving it you're just right. saying okay you know let's just agree to disagree you are not really resolving anything but it is sort of um, a boost for your ego and it is just sort of you know satisfying it as well so what do you think about that so my thought is that you know uh, people are blurring the lines uh, between ego and self-respect uh, it is very important as an individual to have a lot of self-respect that's going to be your fuel to grow to look yourself in the mirror to be confident don't let anybody drive over you walk over you I, that's not the intent when I say, you know, uh, uh, don't have an ego. But the problem is uh, self-respect is something which is different and ego is different. You know, when more often than not, uh, ego is about me. But self-respect is about us. Uh, because, you know, when you are giving self-respect a lot of importance, it's not only about yourself, but you will ensure that you're respecting others too because you want to be treated like you treat others. But when it comes to ego, it's mostly a one-way street. And uh, for me, and it's my perspective, and it could be uh, very, very different from a lot of other people's. For me, ego has always been the breaking point of a relationship, 
a breaking point of a conversation because because of ego i've normally seen people walk out of a conversation uh but i've not ever seen a person walk out of a conversation because of high self respect uh because a person who has high self respect will tell you in that conversation listen nasser you know what you said just now hurt me i feel this way because of the words that you said i believe we can continue this conversation if we don't take this route but the same thing with ego would be listen you know what nasser i'm done with you i can't i can't stand in this conversation and i'll walk out because there are two egos clashing out there but it's when it's self respect you're bringing perspective to the table uh but if still you know the other person doesn't understand you will walk out but the chances of a conversation breaking a relationship breaking because of self respect is much much lesser uh but with ego uh because when ego is there with that you've got uh, arrogance that sits out there your anger that comes in and uh, it may not go the right way uh you know with, uh, out there so i always have believed and i've seen that at least it's worked for me where i've kept ego out of my relationships uh it's worked but uh i've never been walked upon i've never been uh uh you know hurt because of uh, having a lack of ego but i've always seen myself prosper grow and happier because i'm having a high amount of self respect absolutely i totally agree with you on that nasir and thank you for giving uh, that example uh, wherein you uh, gave a clear difference between ego and self respect so i think that uh, would really help our audience also to understand the difference between the two and how to handle situations um from a place of self respect and not ego so uh, nasir i would like for you to elaborate on the concept of constructive conflict a bit mm-hmm. so firstly you know what is uh, constructive conflict so constructive conflict is the ability to voice your views to voice your thoughts uh and it is accepted as part of a conversation right now more often than not we uh see in a lot of cases that if a person is expressing their thoughts it is seen as a insubordination it is seen as an unsatisfied employee or an unsatisfied colleague out there that's a perspective that i've seen wherever you know i have kind of gone into coaching and kind of resolving conflicts out there that's what i've seen where i've seen uh one's opinion has been seen as a negative perspective now constructive uh, conflicts and uh, like anything else uh, is about accepting somebody's views it's about diversity and inclusion and equity right now what works for somebody may not work for you but that doesn't mean it is right or wrong you know you we've always seen this uh, beautiful illustration where you've got the number 9 and two people standing across and one looks at it as 9 and the other looks at it as 6 uh both have thoughts N- neither is wrong because from their point of view for one it is 6 and one it is 9 and that's what also a lot of times happens in a workplace right um uh, let's say there is a supervisor and a person reporting to him a direct reporty working together the supervisor has a goal that he or she has in mind wants to make it happen and has charted out a road map for that the person working it or who will be actually doing the task may see some challenges in that right uh and maybe afraid to bring that on because of 
cultural problem. But what if we encourage that person to bring that on and make those suggestions and then the supervisor and that person are working together to make that roadmap happen together. Uh, let's take uh, an example. For example, how, let's say Google Maps, right, which is uh, uh, a thing. And now you've got uh, Google Maps on and you know a road that you go through every day. But Google Map is saying that today there's a traffic jam out there. Take this diversion. But if you insist on going the road that you know has worked for you every day and you don't take it. And if the, when you go there, there's a traffic jam, you'll get stuck out there. But if you take that diversion, it will work well for you. It will give you the result of reaching that place, your destination on a certain time. And I think that's how, uh, you know, you need to look at conflict. You need to look at conflict that a person expressing their opinion is not necessarily uh, uh, doing this just to rile you up. Uh, he or she is doing this to be supportive of what you want. Uh, constructive conflicts for me is about diversity. It's about uh, different voices that kind of come in. I think constructive conflict leads to innovation. It leads to newer processes coming up. It leads to process improvement. Uh, it leads to better relationships because uh, the trust uh, factor between two individuals and a team increases out there. Uh, so I honestly strongly believe that if conflict can be used as a catalyst to growth and success, nothing like it. And it's the easiest thing to do and harness. So that's my take uh, on uh, constructive conflict. Okay, so Nasir, as a leadership coach, how do you guide leaders in creating an environment where team members feel safe expressing uh, diverse viewpoints, even if they differ from the mainstream? So continuing from what you just mentioned, I want to take this question ahead because how to make it easier? <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a fantastic question to, you know, take the conversation ahead out there because it kind of then leads into traits. So I think first that is there is genuine care and concern. You know, if uh, you're authentic, if you are genuine to what it is there, people will respect you for that. Now, if you just are doing uh, talk that, you know, oh, we are a family, please express your views, please let me know. And then you get vengeful about it. You get sarcasm into it and you make example of somebody's opinion if it has not worked. Then you're not creating a culture where people are encouraged to kind of uh, add views and hide their ideas. Uh, there has to be that fearlessness uh, that you instill in every employee, that an employee, a team member and colleague that, you know, if you share your idea, you're not going to get punished for it. And every idea is not going to work. And if you genuinely believe in that and if you lead that way and, you know, you you walk the talk and you show it happening, you will see that come out fantastically. You know, uh, take emphasis, uh, for example, I think I think it was the year 2015. So it's a while back. They came up with a concept called zero distance. Where they encouraged uh, their team members to challenge every process to make it better, to look at everything to make it better. Uh, and this and the purpose and, and to make it very transparent. And I, that's the reason I love the term zero distance means there is no distance between you and your leader, the founder. You're, everybody's working on the same platform with the same goal out there. 
And that led to a lot of transparency, that led to innovation coming in, that led to people voicing their thoughts. And we, we can see where Infosys is today, right? It is, it, it is one of the world's top organizations because it eliminated bureaucracy. Will there be challenges at Infosys? Yes. Will there be conflicts and turns, sir? Yes, there will be. No doubt about it. But I believe that small steps like this can bring in uh, larger perspectives and uh, uh, bigger gains. Google has done something uh, big like that. And, you know, uh, based on uh, based on how the conversation goes, let I, I'll try and see how I can bring the innovation factory that Google did into the conversation. So, Nasi, talking about innovation, uh, that is where the you know next question is leading us to, really. So, uh, innovation often thrives in an environment where different perspectives uh, collide because you know that gives us the opportunity to uh, either take something ahead or try something out and rule something out or bring something new in. So, how can leaders leverage conflicts to spark creative thinking and drive innovation? Like you just gave the example. So could you maybe elaborate a little bit further on the same? Absolutely. Actually, you know, there's a, uh, a great example that comes to my mind when you use the word spark. You know, how is the first spark created? It was by two stones rubbing against each other. That's conflict, right? Means when you look at it, it is two things coming against each other, causing friction, a spark coming out that leads to a fire. Now, if you take that two stones as uh, people, people with their ideas, they are brainstorming, they're talking, and the spark is the idea that comes out from their uh, friction, their conflict out there, and becomes a fire, which can be the idea actually evolving and moving in. Now, if you look at conflict from that perspective, it suddenly takes uh, a very uh, positive tone or a negative tone. Right. If you look at it leading to innovation, if you look at it leading to a culture where there is positivity, you can see growth. But now if you look at this as negatively and you look at this as a fight where people are putting each other down, that can cause that fire can cause destruction. It can burn a, fire, a forest out uh, and it can cause degrowth. It can cause the company losing out. So if you are able to kind of harness that, you know, get people into a room, uh, where they are brainstorming or, you know, allowing people to write their thoughts without us judging what the idea is, what that thought is. And having that open mind, uh, you will see success and innovation coming through. Most of the innovations have come because of uh, people challenging the status quo. Innovation has not come by people following the status quo. Uh, you know, we've seen companies disappear when they followed status quo. Like you, you take Kodak for an example, right? It's an example that comes across in so many books. Uh, they were leaders when it came to photography, when it came to the film. Uh, they did not adapt to digital photography. And we know where Kodak is nowhere today. You take Nokia, you know, they stuck to what they thought was right. Blackberry, they stuck to what they thought was right. And today, uh, they're not where they used to be. Uh, whilst Netflix, you know, there is this ad that I remember of Netflix, they says, you know, uh, don't get disheartened. We started by selling DVDs. Means, but they challenge the status quo and they and Netflix is what it is today. And and most of the stories about organizations which are really relevant today and doing well today is because of uh, 
engaging in a culture of innovation, engaging in a culture where open-mindedness, open thought, uh, and thought conversation are accepted as positive inflows and not seen as uh, as negative conflicts or as seen as insubordination or seen as a person uh, doing one-upmanship. But again, you know, you have to be careful that uh, uh, Rumi has said this very well that anything in excess is poison. Love in excess is obsession. So, you know, we have to be very mindful of these aspects that everything is done in a certain moderation, the right amount of support, the right amount of uh, control barriers out there so that what you innovate is also executed and you see success. So, yeah, I think that's those are my couple of thoughts on innovation out there. Nasir, while having this conversation with you, you know, it is actually taking me to uh, two of the books of Seth uh, Godin, uh, the Out of the Box and Purple Cow. So what I can see here is, first of all, what you are doing is you are a purple cow. <laughs> and what are you talking about is, is actually what he really talks about uh, in, uh, uh, in his book, Out of the Box, like not exactly the same thing, but yes, that, you know, how to... Um, let that creativity out in that way and the way you take it ahead that makes all the difference uh, and uh, Seth Godin is one of my favorite authors you know I read The Purple Cow I think in 2013 is when I first read The Purple Cow and I said wow you know and, and such an impactful title right so yeah thank you for bringing it out I love his writing style. Like, you know, I am uh, trying to also come up with a book. And my only thought was, you know, this is the kind of book that I would love to write. It makes sure that you are right there, you are reading, you are getting what he's saying, and he's not really uh, taking you here and there. So it's very simple on the point, And you would love to just quickly, you know, get done with it that, okay, there is no stopping. True. So I also love him as an author that, okay, I am really looking forward to, you know, as many books as I can read of him, it's like everything is on my list. So uh, Nasir, now I want to talk to you about um, the global outlook on uh, this topic we are <coughs> talking about. So how do you see it being different in India as compared to other countries? Like how... Uh, do the companies address the constructive conflict, say in US, Japan, or um, Canada, like, you know, any of the countries that you want to maybe bring on board, and how it is done in India? So, um, I think it will, it will also settle down a lot with cultures, you know, uh, depending on how the uh, culture of the country is, right? It kind of, uh, in a way, uh, kind of uh, makes you look at conflict from that perspective. You know, today conflict coaching is huge uh, in the United States. It's uh, something which is, uh, you've got a lot of conflict coaches out there who are constantly working with the corporates, who are working uh, with people uh, to ensure that conflict is working for them versus against them. Uh, in India, we're still new to the whole art of conflict coaching uh, and uh, to it being incorporated in the corporate world. In fact, when I pitch the idea out there, a lot of times uh, it, it takes a little while to make a person understand where I'm coming from. Uh, a lot of progressive leaders uh, are very welcoming to it, but a lot of places it's kind of you know shunned away. Uh, that also, I think, senses uh, from the whole aspect of where, you know, uh, we've 
growing up, one of the rules that was taught is the boss is always right. Uh, if the boss is wrong, refer rule number one, you know, is something that uh, was always kind of told. Uh, but that is moving away. Uh, similarly, so in Asian cultures, that uh, bit of that, uh, you know, uh, thinking that the boss knows everything was there with the generation, let's say mine or before. Uh, but that's evolving with the millennials coming in uh, and them adapting the way they are. I think the differences between uh, the continents and countries on how conflicts will be handled will get diminished as time goes by. Uh, but uh, sitting today, it definitely is looked at differently uh, out here versus abroad. Take mediation as an example. You know, we are the first country that passed the mediation bill. Uh, uh, in terms of which is so detailed and so uh, forward-looking. Uh, there is work to be done on that. Uh, and the government is constantly adding value to that. And, you know, there was a lot of hard work that went in, a lot of input that was taken. So there is a progressive outlook that we see out there. So while there are differences today, I see them kind of leveling out very soon. And I think India will take a leadership role on mediation and uh, handling of conflicts uh, always uh, in the time to come. And we do that. Uh, you know, uh, we were amongst the first countries. That, now look at the uh, conflict that there was between Bangladesh and India over a certain area. That was resolved without any uh, physical clashes. It was done by sitting on a table. Uh, we actually gave away a lot more space than we took but strategically, the exchange worked for both the places. And that's how, you know, one can look at mediation and conflict out there. And our policies and all, I think, are outlined to eliminate uh, fights uh, and uh, to kind of come up with cohesiveness. So I think that's a big advantage that sits with us as a country because we've always seen, uh, you know, Sula, we've seen, uh, we've seen mediation, we've seen... Uh, uh, getting together as a piece, right? We've never started a war. We may have been pulled into one uh, and uh, we've obviously then acted on it, but we've never started a conflict. And uh, that's uh, that's a big thing, you know, and that's what will help us be, become world leaders in, uh, in using conflict as a positive outlook, conflict resolution and mediation. Anasya, here again, you know, I have another question for you. So when talking about uh, the organizations in india do you think they there is maybe um, an avoidance um, trait somewhere there where they don't want to address it and maybe it's i don't know maybe no i i don't think so i don't think so i don't think that is there i think there is a uh, i think it all boils down to awareness I think it all boils down to people becoming aware on how to leverage conflict. You know, uh, similarly, like conflict, one can actually leverage anger. You know, everybody again thinks that anger is a bad word. Anger is a bad thing. But why do you get angry? You know, you get angry because you're passionate about something. Now, if you can harness the passion by, you know, keeping the anger aside, you've got a winning combination. So similarly, I think it's more about awareness. It's about training. It's about doing what you what you are doing today, right? You're creating a conversation that will reach out to a lot of people to make them understand that conflict's not bad. 
uh, I'm sure listening to this, we will have people looking at conflict differently. And, uh, and that's what we need to do. We need to get the voice out. We need to make people understand that uh, conflict can be a positive uh, outcome, can, uh, can lead to positive outcomes versus only negative outcomes. Nasir, as a mediator, you must have encountered a wide range of conflict scenarios. So how can leaders identify when it's appropriate to intervene and facilitate conflict resolution and when uh, it's better to let the team members resolve the conflict themselves? So, you know, as a leader, you will get the pulse uh, when it's getting out of hand. Uh, the best time to intervene is when you see a conflict getting personal. As long as the conflict stays professional, you know, where they are on the idea. But when it starts becoming personal, you know, you need to intervene. Uh, when you, you know, your statements that you are always like this, uh, you're doing this for yourself. When it, when it starts aiming at the individual, it's becoming personal, it's becoming bringing people in, bringing relationships in, which is not required. I think the leader needs to intervene there. Uh, or if, if you see that this is not going anywhere. There are times that you see conversations just not going anywhere. And I think as a leader, you need to come in and then channelize that conflict to reach the destination where you want to. Because from that conversation, you will see that they want to achieve a certain goal. Sometimes they're speaking the same thing, but the words are different and the understanding is different. So that's when you step in. That's when you channelize those thoughts. Um, and as a leader or as an individual, you know, uh, you will know that, you know, uh, this is where you step. And it's like a father seeing two sons fight over something, right? Or two, a son and a daughter or two daughters fight over something. And uh, they know, you know, as a parent when to step in. Similarly, as a leader, uh, you will know when to step in. Right. The situation will sort of tell you Correct. that when is the right time and when you can just, uh, you know, sort of keep overlooking and making sure that, okay, it's not. The best trigger uh, is when people are getting personal. That's the best trigger for you. Right, right. So, Nasir, our conversation today has been incredibly insightful, shedding light on the transformative power of constructive conflict in leadership. And before we wrap up, um, do you have any final words of uh, wisdom or actionable advice for our listeners, whether they are aspiring leaders, current leaders, or even fellow coaches? Uh, I... Uh, from my perspective, I want to leave uh, the conversation with the acronym ACT. Uh, and that will kind of, uh, you know, summarize our conversation. I think conflict uh, resolution is about these three alphabets. A, being authentic and genuine. Uh, C, have the courage to allow conflicts, you know, and and see them and, you, you, and channelize them. And T, trust the process you know, and trust yourself. Uh, and the moment you act, you will see that uh, the whole world will kind of conspire uh, to make it work for you. So yeah, just last thoughts. Uh, those are my last thoughts. And I'm extremely thankful to you, Shruti, uh, for the time invested by you and for the platform uh, uh, given by you today for us to have this conversation. Thank you, Nasir, for taking out time for this conversation, because I think, you know, uh, so you are actually... Uh, as I was mentioning before we started the recording that, you know, this is the first time I am hearing something like this. And I immediately I, ha I, I had this thought that, you know, I need to bring this guest on board and talk about it because 
there are few things that you are you know you are uh, that are not talked about a lot and i think this is one of them and as we talk that how it is sort of you know still coming up in india so i think um it's a good thing that uh, you came up and you actually shared everything that you did thank you also nasir um is there any place there uh, where our listeners our audience can follow you or sort of you know be a part of your journey or anything on those lines so uh, uh one is on linkedin uh i have mm-hmm. a page that's dedicated to coaching and uh, the mediator piece that's called nasir shake coach icf and mediator that's there uh, i'm also mm-hmm. on spotify i'm building that up uh, i'm adding a right. uh, Uh, podcast slowly and steadily out there so and on instagram uh, these are three spaces that i am i'm under the name of nasir shake everywhere so there is a personal page and there is a, a, a page on coaching but both a lot of times talk about things that i'm passionate about uh, so yeah that's where you could uh, uh, reach out to me uh, touch base with me and uh, you could also connect with me through my website that's uh, www.nasirshake.co.in you know you could just leave a message there and i'll reach out to you wonderful thank you so much nasir once again for being a part of this and sharing uh, the f- profound insights with uh, me as well as the audience as well you know i am also taking away a lot from this episode thank you so much so thank, thank you. you once again take care if you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more make sure to subscribe to our podcast Don't forget to leave us a review and share it with your loved ones. And if you're ready to share your own voice with the world through podcasting, remember I'm just an email away at shrutioutloud@gmail.com. It's s h r u t i o u t l o u d at gmail.com. Until next time, keep shining, keep growing, and keep embracing the beautiful journey of life. This is Shruti signing off.